Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. I really wanted to take a quick second just to thank all of you who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology Radio. It has been such an exciting adventure for me. There are so many amazing things that are happening over here that I definitely want to share with you. So for the next few months, every person who signs up for my free newsletter will be entered into a drawing. In this monthly drawing, whomever wins will win a free 30-minute Skype call with me, James Miller. I will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. So go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and sign up for my free newsletter there. Who knows? Maybe you will be the lucky winner. So sign up today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you examine those painful experiences from your past to help you heal those around you. I'll also be speaking with entrepreneur Adele McClay, who shares her heart-wrenching story and how in telling it, it is changing the world around her. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me on iHeartRadio, as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. There is an old Chinese tale about a woman whose only son died. In her grief, she went to the holy man and asked, What prayers do you have to bring my son back to life? Instead of sending her away, he simply said, Fetch me a mustard seed from a home that has never known sorrow. We will use it to drive the sorrow out of your life. The woman went off at once in search of that magical mustard seed. She came first to a splendid mansion, knocked at the door, and said, I'm looking for a home that has never known sorrow. Is this such a place? They told her, you've certainly come to the wrong place, and began to describe all the tragic things that recently had befallen them. The woman said to herself, who is better able to help these poor, unfortunate people than I, who have had misfortune of my own? She stayed to comfort them, then went on in search of a home that had never known sorrow before. But wherever she turned, she found one tale after another of sadness and misfortune. The woman became so involved in helping others cope with their sorrows that she had healed from her grief long ago, and because of her grief, she was now able to help all those who were suffering. using your painful experiences to heal others. As we've said before, rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning negative things are going to happen in our life. We all deal with those painful experiences in a different way, but what I really love about lifeology itself is we're all linked together by our emotions. Yes, the circumstances in which those emotions may be expressed may be completely different, but we all understand when someone is in pain. We all understand when someone is heartbroken. One thing I'd like for us to really look at today is when we are grieving, it's very important to be able to experience all of the stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and lastly, acceptance. Now, they don't necessarily always go in that order, but those are the stages of grief. And so as we grieve, it's so important to be able to protect that grief. It's important to surround yourself with the people whom you trust or the people that can really support you through this. But one thing it's so necessary for each of us to do is once we're starting to come out of that grief, if we don't take a proactive step to share our story with other people, well, unfortunately, we're going to become stunted in our life, meaning we may be incredibly proactive and very successful in other areas, but if we don't express what we've experienced, it doesn't allow for us to hear ourselves being healed. It doesn't allow for us to see ourselves on the other side. And what I mean by that is when we talk about something we've gone through, when we can share it with other people, it helps us recognize that we are on the other side of that situation. Because think about it. When you're experiencing grief in a very difficult way, 
it's so hard to even focus on anything. You can't think about anything else. You are overwhelmed with everything. You can't concentrate. You lose weight. All these situations happen in your life. And when someone even asks you about it, you can't talk about it because you break down because you're in so much pain. So one of the great things about sharing your story is not only does it heal you because you can talk about it, you can express it, but going back to what I said earlier about lifeology is when you express what you've experienced, you have no idea what other people are experiencing. It's wonderful because you are the example of how other people can overcome something. We're all linked together by so many things, but when someone who may be at the beginning of their stage of grief hears that someone else who's gone through something similar is at the other side of it, they then can look at that to say, wow, this is where I'm at today. Perhaps I'll be able to overcome this. Perhaps I'll be able to move forward like this person. You have no idea how powerful your story is. I always like to think the depth of your pain is an indication of the height of your future. Meaning, the more painful your experience is to you, and of course I'm not comparing anybody's experiences to other people, but simply if it's very painful for you, that means it's so much more powerful on the other side. And when you can share it with other people, they will be able to find their own healing through your story, through your journey, through the pain that you experienced. We are all interconnected in such an amazing way. Your story is necessary to heal those around you. Did you know that I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 150 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show, so these YouTube episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode teaches you one simple lesson that you can practice daily, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and subscribe to my YouTube channel there, or go to youtube.com and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. My guest today is Adele McClay, a hugely successful entrepreneur, business expert, author, and motivational keynote speaker with a very compelling and emotional backstory. Her life lessons teach others how they too can use the pain they've experienced and turn it into power. Welcome to my show, Adele. Thank you, James. It's just lovely to be with you today. Yes, it's such a pleasure to finally meet you. Thank you. And you? How did you get to London from New Zealand? Uh, We've been here 10 years, uh, 10 and a bit years, actually. And really, it was uh, as simple as professional boredom. Uh, My husband and I um, just got to the end of the line with where we're at in our respective uh, work. We're both professionals. He was a uh, a chartered accountant working with the major firms in New Zealand and and then did a lot of consulting work. I'd owned my own business and then taken a a break from that and done a lot of consulting and governance work. Mm -hmm. And we we just felt like we wanted something knew. My husband had lived with his first wife in London in the Mm -hmm. 80s, loved it, and I'd not lived abroad. We thought, let's do it. Let's take a year, have a family holiday and see what happens. And 10 years later, we're still here. So a long holiday as well. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll call it a holiday. (laughs) Now, what type of business are you in? Uh, I am a business owner and entrepreneur, um, uh-huh. So, it, and I'm an investor. So I invest in other people's businesses, and I'm a property investor. So they're the, the main sort of businesses I, I invest in. Uh, I have a coaching, consulting, advisory business for small businesses around the world where I support them to sustainably and profitably grow their businesses. And mm. I own the brand Small Business Huge Success which we're developing into an e-learning platform, which will start rolling out a lot more next year. And I write books under that brand. It's an open source uh, brand that uh, it's collaborative and that I work with other experts in the small business business space. Um, And together we support small business success around the world. They're, They're the main ones. Wow, you are incredibly busy. 
So talking about your backstory, you know, reading about it from the information that your publicist sent me, it is something that, you know, we hear about it now and again, at least I, in my field, I hear about some of the things you've experienced, but not the multiple versions of what you experienced. And someone who works for that in a psychological standpoint to see how it affects my clients, but I can't imagine the multiple versions of that that you experienced and how that affected you in a way that you it just probably even to this day at times, if, if you don't catch yourself, you can get lost in that as well. Um, absolutely. So what what happened was uh, between 1999 and 2005, uh, my husband and I, we conceived uh, 12 babies, mm. including triplets, and 11 of those babies, including the triplets, died. So we only have um, one daughter. Uh, our, our vision for our family when we got together was to have four children. So my stepson, Alex, mm-hmm. our daughter, Gemma, who is now 14, and two more. Um, my husband was one of four children, I the same. And that just felt right mm-hmm. for us. And, and so we went on this journey of let's have babies. And um, Gemma, our daughter, was our third baby. And I I never in a million years expected to go through a journey of of twelve pregnancies and all that loss at various stages sure. in in the pregnancies, um, and I never expected to talk about it yeah. either. Um, so what happened was so through that was to two thousand and five, and then we came to London in two thousand and six, and uh, I just had this vision that I am going to have two more children. We are going to be a family of six. David, me, and four children. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just going to be a tough journey like it, it was. And I had visions of standing on a stage with uh, a PowerPoint presentation uh, where I showed my my stepson, our daughter, and, and twins or two mm-hmm. little children, and that you could clearly see there was a bit of a gap in ages, yeah. and I would have shared the, the journey to get there. I did not expect to be talking about the journey of failure. For me, it's a failure. I have not been able to achieve that goal. And mm. and as you, you've already identified, I'm, I'm pretty goal focused. <laughs> sure. so, um, so the following uh, 10 years between um, or arriving in London and, and until 2015, um, we went through this process of maybe next month, maybe next month, maybe next month of, of trying uh, to have more babies over the, the following 10 years. So not only did we have the the losses, we had the roller coaster mm. of maybe next month for 120 months wow. almost. And, um, and I personally became pretty stalled in life relative to the kind of person that I am. It's not that I sat at home and did woe is me, that's not my nature, um, but relative to what I had achieved earlier mm-hmm. in my career back in New Zealand and what I'm now doing, I was was really stalled and just in what I call the simmer zone. So just simmering along. Life wasn't bad. It wasn't you know really great. It was just okay. Or status and, quo. Um, yeah, just status quo. And one day uh, leading up to a fairly significant birthday, that big five zero a few couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, I just thought enough. I I can't do this, and my body. I mean, some of your listeners might be thinking, "Well, you're way too old. You're clearly not going to have babies when you're in your forties." But as it turns out, I look quite young. My body was young. My body wasn't telling me I couldn't do it. Doctors said I could. You know, there was a possibility, um, and when I was thinking about beyond fifty, I thought, you know, if if I was to die tomorrow and I knew I was dying, 
I would look back with regret in, on some parts of my life that that this incredible journey to to have babies had um, stalled me mm. and my joy in other parts of life, and it was time to move on from that. So I began a process of of just moving, moving on, and and I have, and and you know, life continues, and it's great, and. But you know that that doesn't happen overnight, and sure. and certainly the process of actually losing the babies, I had to grieve, and and I grieved it differently to to my husband, as you might expect. Um, but you know we've got through that, and and I, in in moving through that journey and now sharing it, um, it's that's been a journey itself, and and good things have come out of it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for being transparent and and sharing your your grief and sharing your story on my show. It's uh, I know that's very near and dear to you. So I definitely want to protect that and honor that for you. But I did have a couple mm-hmm. questions here. So as you're talking to me now about this, you know, reflection, because last year, you know, you just now started to talk more about this. So now you are here on a, um, a, a national show talking about it. How is it for you to be a little bit removed from it um, as you reflect on it? What, what's the juxtaposition or the comparison between then versus now as you hear yourself retelling your story? Um, then when I was going through it, I just blocked it out because I was on a journey to have more babies. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think about the pain. Yes, I grieved each baby as we lost them, particularly the triplets, because that came as a huge shock that wasn't expected to happen. I'd actually received a letter saying that they were going to be all okay and Mm. then they weren't. So that was, I did go into into meltdown over that. Um, The the time of having all those babies was um, met with incredible professional highs. So I was doing incredibly mm. well in my professional career, Mum, but I had a what I call a portfolio career for a while, and I had these amazing projects that I worked on, um, and they were fabulous uh, for me <laughs> because great. I love business. <laughs> mixed with these incredible lows at a personal level, and I just never to- told anybody, other than there was only one person who knew, and that was my um, life coach, spiritual guide type person that mm-hmm. I'm very close to who helped me work through it. No, I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my family. Uh, oh, wow. Only David and I and that person knew. I mean, no, no one knew. Absolutely no one knew. And then what happened was um, in October, the 1st of October 2014, uh, I was about to launch a new business here on the 1st of October. That uh, morning, I woke up and had a text from one of my family in New Zealand, my sister, saying, please call urgently. So I did. And um, I got told that our mum was very sick and had uh, weeks or months left in life. I'm so sorry, Adele. Thank you. And that came as a shock because she had been unwell, but we were expecting that she was going to recover at that point. So she'd taken a, a turn, had some more tests, and and it was um, it was final. I made the decision at that point not to rush to New Zealand because I wanted to be there at the end. I didn't want to go to New Zealand and then have to leave and come back. I wanted sure. to be there for as long as it took. So it took me a while to organize that to get out there. Mum um, had just gone into a coma when I arrived, and there was really nothing for me to do. And I'm a real organizer type, and mm-hmm. she was at home in a special hospice bed, and we had caregivers around her. and And I said to one of the caregivers, you know, "What can I do to support?" And she said, "Well, maybe your job is just to be with your mum. Maybe it's just to be in the room." Mm-hmm. 
as often as you want to and when no one else is here and wanting to have time with her. And I and I thought, oh, that's a lovely job. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So I just sat with mum day in, day out, talking to her. She, so she was in a coma and her body was closing down. For a lot of people who are dying, hearing is the last sense to go. Uh-huh. And uh, on what we knew would be her last night, I decided to sit up all night with her. And uh, so I did. I sat in the chair holding a hand and I just talked to her. And and for any of your your community that's listening and maybe has been with someone in their their passing moments, you say lots of things. Mm -hmm. You've got lots of completion. And and you can imagine I said all of those things and told her I loved her. And my mother was really religious, very, very uh, deeply Christian, had been all of her life. And she was incredibly torn between going back to God and staying for her grandchildren mm-hmm. um, in, in this life. And sure. she had been saying before she went into a coma that she could feel the spirit of her mum calling and her mother was very dear to her. So, and I'd been feeling her mother's spirit as well. And so I was inviting her to to let go and, yeah. and go and that we would all be fine. But she wouldn't go. She, even in those dying moments, um, hours, she would not mm. leave. And um, I... I looked at her and oh, we had the radio on and and mum's one of mum's favourite songs was the Karen Carpenter well, was Karen Carpenter one of my favourite singers <laughs> and Karen Carpenter came on and I said to her mum wouldn't it be lovely if you if you passed over during this period and I could tell everybody that you passed over while Karen Carpenter was singing it's not your favourite Karen Carpenter song but, <laughs> it's Karen Carpenter, but it would be you know it's still Karen Carpenter. Yeah. And um, her, she had what I call death breath, and and that's the, yeah, the <gasps> very heavy breathing. And as as I said that, she went incredibly calm, and her breath went very very gentle. And I thought, oh my goodness, she's passing. And then she came back. <laughs> she's not ready to go. So I kept talking to her, and and a little bit later, another song came on, and I want to say it was. Um, I remember it was a black American singer, someone like Lionel Richie, someone of that ilk. Uh-huh. I, I can't. I thought I would remember, but d- damn it, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to her, "Mum, what about this song? This is a lovely song. It's not again your favourite, but you do like this this type of music. Wouldn't it be lovely if if you passed over and I would tell everybody that you passed during this period?" And again, her breathing went very calm. It's like she was thinking about it. And then she came back. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, and I was, you know, I was just sitting with her and I looked at her and I thought, she's waiting for something. What are you waiting for, mum? And I thought I'd said everything and given her permission because I've, I've been in situations like this before. And I, I just was at a loss. And then it hit me and I thought, oh, no, no, mm. no, no. And I just... I see where this is going, yes. Yes, and I just sat very closely to her and I said, mum... There's something you don't know. Um, David and I conceived 12 babies and 11 of those babies are in heaven. And I need you to let go. Those babies of ours need a grandmother. Mm. You're an amazing grandmother. And I'd really like you to go and wrap your arms around our babies and and be the grandmother that you need because it's a long time before I come to heaven. And would you do that for me? And her breathing went incredibly calm, incredibly calm, incredibly calm. And it was the last thing I ever said to her. Oh, wow. She passed away very soon thereafter. Wow, that's beautiful. It is. Yeah. And I thought that was, again, my very private story. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even tell my husband. I didn't <laughs> tell my family. I told no one. It was just mum and I saying goodbye. And I, I felt very blessed that she had waited for mm. me to arrive in New Zealand and, and that I was able to um, give her that gift yes. of a, a job in, in heaven and 
Um, Especially since she was so torn between wanting to stay with her her living grandchildren, of course, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I came back to London, got very busy, wrote a a book, which um, until this year was with a a major publishing house. And because of the story coming out, I actually pulled it back from because I didn't feel it was authentic because it didn't have any of this in it. Mm. But during that period, I thought, gosh, where have I got all this energy and new vitality from? And I, I realized it was, this extra energy and verve had come from mum's passing. And it was at that point that I realized that not only had I given mum a gift Mm -hmm. of of giving her those babies to cherish for us, she had given me a gift and she had given me the gift of freedom that she had freed me of that burden because I'd also realized I hadn't actually been thinking about the babies Mm -hmm. or wanting more babies. I hadn't thought about maybe next month, maybe next month for for quite a while. yeah, it was an incredible release, and and so I moved on, and and so that was last year, and then life carried on, got really busy, got focused on the things that we talked about earlier, and, and what I'm doing in business and life, and then in May this year, I met an American woman, Denise Brousseau. She came to the UK, and I took her out for lunch, and I don't know what happened, but I sat down, and I'd not met this woman before. We'd had two Skype calls, and I just went blah and told her everything <laughs> wow. I've just told you. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, oh, my goodness, Adele, you need to be sharing this. This is so inspiring. And I just looked at her and said, Denise, I don't know why I've said this to you. No yeah. one knows this. And this is not me. I didn't tell you this. I don't talk about this. And that began my journey of um, understanding why I opened up to this stranger mm-hmm. and um, why I needed to start talking about it, and and it took a while, a lot of discomfort, and of course, and of course, took course. a while, but but I got through that journey, and and now I, now I do talk about it. Wow, and that's such a divine appointment as well. You know, sometimes we don't realize people are brought into our life for certain reasons, until mm-hmm. all of a sudden, just like you had that moment where instantaneously you had this release, or you just started talking about it, and that created where you are today. That created many more opportunities. That gave you the freedom. It gave you the the confidence, the encouragement to do this next venture. And I always like for people to reflect on that of, do you remember the time of when something divinely happened or something in this very fortuitous or very serendipitous happened? Because that moment will often change your life. And when you can really hold on to that moment and really solidify that in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, then when you become discouraged and you can say, no, this was, this was why it was given to me. This is why this, this event happened. And I want to make sure that I follow through on my end of it and complete the next chapter, move towards that next part of my life that maybe I was reticent to start, or maybe I didn't even know I was supposed to start. But that really solidified moment really causes people to give them the encouragement when they, when they start to struggle. Absolutely. And there's a couple of points I'd add to that is when you fight it, (laughs) life is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I I was fighting this, no, 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 I don't talk about this. This is a failure. I feel so ashamed that I've not been able to do this. And I don't want to talk about this. Um, And I felt so incredibly sick and vulnerable when I stood on a stage the very first time and and shared it. I wanted to run a mile and I love speaking and public (laughs) speaking and being challenged to discuss this. Oh, it was just the most awful day. Um, But I got through it. And what I found is having done it, this incredible bravery Mm -hmm. came upon me and about 20% of the audience came up and lined up afterwards to come and talk to me. And they did what for me at the time was quite odd things. Some people just wanted to touch me or cuddle me or kiss me. Mm. They just 
they just felt the need to be present and touching. And and I, you know, I'm used to people coming and wanting to talk to me about business and things, sure. but they don't often want to stand there and just constantly hold my hand or kiss me and, you know, in a, in a very deep way. And people were crying. And I realized that just, and I didn't actually share the mum part of the story in the first speech oh, I gave. Yeah. It, was <laughs> it would have been it over. It would have been all over. It wasn't relevant <laughs> to that audience. But the speech was about networking. I, and I had to somehow put the first bit in. Oh, yeah, the segues were interesting, but I got there. Um, um, but since then I've, um, and when I doubt, sorry, so I've had these experiences where I've told different groups, not large numbers of groups, but, uh, and, and individuals. And when I've doubted that I have a purpose with sharing the story, I think, no, 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 I don't want to be identified this. It's just a little sidewalk story and I'll share it sometimes. Oh, the universe kicks my butt and, <laughs> and, or something weird will happen, for instance, I was at a networking event a few weeks ago and I just went to the bar to get a glass of water and um, this woman looked at me and she said, I know you. And I said, oh, really? She said, yes, you were. You gave that speech at such and such and about your story of the babies. Oh, my goodness, you were so inspiring. My friend and I were there and mm. you were amazing. <laughs> and she hadn't, she hadn't been one of the 20% to come up. And I, oh, my goodness. And, and we talked about that. And then the following week, I was going to a conference and I came out of the tube, so the mm -hmm. underground um, station, and couldn't see the hotel and didn't have a map. I thought, hmm, where's this hotel? So there was a woman walking by who was professionally dressed and I thought maybe she was heading in the same direction. So I stopped her and asked if she knew where the hotel was. And sure enough, she was going to the same event. She said, oh, come with me. So I introduced myself. She didn't recognize me because I had a hat on this day. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm Adele McClay. And she introduced myself, herself to me. She said, I know you. <laughs> oh, she said, you changed my life. Like, what wow. are you doing? <laughs> oh, it's in wonderful. the middle of London. She stopped and said, you changed my life. And I said, how did I do that? How do you know me? And she said, I was there when you gave that speech oh the very first time. And this is what's happened since you did that. And this is what I've done. And this is how it's changed my life. And I thought, you know, when, I, when I'm challenged by my journey around this, things pop up and mm. it reinforces that I'm yes, meant to do does. things. And, and, and it's happening particularly with men as well. And I mean, James, this is your domain, not mine, but often men are – uh, more closed mm -hmm. around dealing with grief and moving on from it. And, and I actually do, do have an ability to help men through this. And again, last week I was at an event and this woman over lunch said, oh, Adele, I was thinking about you this week. And she happens to know the story. And all the blokes sitting at the table were thinking, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> looked at them and said, oh, you know, it, uh, Julie knows um, about my personal story. It's, and they looked expectantly at me and I said, would you like me to share it? Mm. So I told them just the part A about all the losses. Sure. And this guy sitting next to me just looked at me and said, oh, yes, he said, unresolved grief. It's it's a terrible thing. I've been dealing with that for years. Can I share with you what's been happening wow. for me? So in front of everybody, just told his story. And then when everybody left, he was telling me more. And I thought, you know, every time I doubt that there's a role for me to play here, someone just says, and then I shared with him what I'm doing with the social enterprise. I'm, I'm in the early stages of creating collaboratively with experts in this space to help people move on from mm -hmm. grief. And, um, and I, yes, yeah, so it's, it's fascinating. Well, and, you look at uh, the whole thing when you come to, you know, because you're, when you do your speaking, you're there, there's kind of two roles you play. You play the expert, you play the, the person they're there to learn business. But then when you tell us, they see this other side of you, it makes you much more audible, much more personal, much more relatable in many ways. And of course, it's obviously not the, 
a topic that you would like to discuss. But when it does that, it creates, it allows you to be a much more well-rounded person, a much more well-rounded expert, if you will, because people, there's in that, that stage or that barrier that separates the expert from the audience. And I think for you, as you continually grow, and of course you already know this, but as you continue to do, you speak about this and all your other business ventures, your ability to reach a larger audience on many different levels has exponentially grown, which allows you to then allow yourself to be much more rounded, but also allows you to have different portals in which people can actually access you to become that expert, if you will, in all these other areas. And, and I think that's one thing that people don't realize is when they do go through something and when it is time for them to share it, when they do that, they themselves not only grow in, in, a, in an exponential way, but it also allows the everything around them to look at them in a different way, to look at them in a much more holistic manner, which really makes people stop and take a look at their own life. And that's kind of has that ripple effect, that butterfly effect, if you want to think of it that way, that one person's ability to reach another person then reaches another person, reaches another person, and it keeps going and expands out in such a way that had you not shared your story, it never would have impacted the people in the way that it currently has. Absolutely. And I am incredibly grateful to the universe for putting me through this journey this year. I mean, 2016 has been a difficult year for many people, me included, um, personally, professionally. and But as I come out of it, it's also caused me to pivot in my mm -hmm. business and I feel my motto is alive, passionate and extraordinary in business and in life as you define it. That's my personal motto. Mm, like that's that. what I try and inspire. And I thought I was alive, passionate and extraordinary in business and life at the beginning of the year. But by comparison to how I feel now, I was probably running on about 50%, whereas sure. now I feel like I'm on 150%. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, Adele, you have really inspired me. As I know you've inspired so many of my listeners today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and all the amazing things that you're doing, where would they find your information online? Uh, well, I have my own website, so it's adelemaclay.com, and they're very welcome to uh, be part of my email community, and, and they'll see what to do to, to do that online. Uh, and I'm on all the social media, so uh, on Facebook, it's Adele McClay Fan, which is my public page. I love Instagram. Very, I'm a very visual person, so Adele McClay there. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, I'm on Twitter, not so much on Twitter. Um, I do put YouTube videos together from time to time. I'm a bit stalled in that at the moment, but I'll be getting back onto that next year. Uh, LinkedIn, professionally, if um, if your community are, are interested in business, I um, I do quite a bit on LinkedIn, and they're welcome to link in with me. I just ask that they do, uh, don't just say, connect request but put a little message to say sure. that they heard us speak then at least I know and I can acknowledge that I don't uh, often accept requests when they're, they're bland it's just nicer to be a bit mm, more personal of course it is um, and also small business huge success which is my um, online e-learning business uh, it has its own Facebook page and its own um, Instagram page and its own website wonderful okay well once again Adele thank you so much for being a guest on my show today it's my pleasure, James. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.